Hello, internet friends, and welcome to another episode of Render Time. I'm Richard Lutz, and it is my goal to demystify some of the decisions and difficulties that go into some of the biggest movies, TV shows, and commercials in the world. Today, we are talking with Laura Holman. Laura is a assistant producer over at Technicolor, and if you don't know who Technicolor is, they've been working on the color science and arts of some of the biggest movies, TV shows, and experiences in the world. In this episode, Laura talked about her background and how she started in the business and how her education at Washington State set her up for success. She also talked about what people can be doing once they get to LA. LA is a very difficult and challenging place to be. However, it is really reassuring to know that a person like Laura can do it and it should serve as a great example for you knowing that you can do it too. This is not rocket science. We're not solving the biggest problems in the world. Laura's story should provide an example of how you can do these things too. You may feel like you are incapable of achieving great success in this business. However, there are so many stories out there like Laura's showing that you can do this. If you put your mind to this, you can make a dent in this business and have success and do the things that you've always wanted to. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope it provides some insights of what color science is and how you can make a career here in Los Angeles. Take a listen. Why don't you introduce yourself? Let's start there. Okay, I am Laura Holman. I am an assistant producer at Theatrical Post, is my official title, at Technicolor in Hollywood. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows what Technicolor is. It's just some random post house. Like, all of them here <laughs> in Los Yeah, just, we'll just name them all, like, Technicolor, the, the Mill, NPC. Oh, wait, they all are owned by Technicolor. Mr. X is another one. Uh, gotcha. But, uh, the FX house that uh, is a sister company. And then they have them all over the world. So, actually, um, I run a colorist meeting every month with Montreal, Toronto, and London. So, I get to know the people... A few of people, mainly the colorists in those areas as well. So it's like everywhere. Headquarters in Paris. So, so most of our memos are half in French and half in English, which is awesome, I think. I like the whole uh, global side of it. But yeah. So your French has definitely gotten better in the time that you've been in technical. I, you know what's funny is I, I studied Spanish in high school, which I wish I remembered it. I feel awful that I don't. Um, but I, because I knew I was going to move to L.A. someday. And... Most of my jobs, when it comes to a foreign language, has been French. I made one of my first films. I worked on the artist, and that was a French crew, because it was uh, everyone there was French. And I worked for Illumination Entertainment on a couple of films, and they are based in France as well. So there's a lot of French. And then some of the people that I worked with were French, and I was like, dang it, I learned the wrong language. See, <laughs> like, that's cool though, because like when uh, at the mill, everybody was British. So I mean, yeah. I had that, I had that on lock. Like the only thing I didn't know how to do was do T setups. Which as a runner, you're like, oh well, mm-hmm. yep, builders uh, T setup, super easy. So, how long have you been in Technicolor? And like, what did you get your like? How did you get your, your foot in the door? Because I know you were previously at E Film. It came down from Washington State. Go Kooks. Yeah. Okay. Um. How did you, I mean, you mentioned that you initially wanted to, you wanted to come down to um, Los Angeles. What, uh, 
how did like what was that process like? I mean, you were at eFilm, and I'm rambling now. You were at eFilm. How did you get to Technicolor? So, whole long story is I had an internship right after I graduated eFilm. Thank goodness, it was awesome. Um, and then I went into another internship, and then eFilm called me for a entry level position, and then I got got to assistant producer. And from being an assistant a producer at eFilm, I actually got to meet some people. Um, one of the people is Steve Scott, who is very well-respected colorist in the industry. He has won the HPA Best Film Color, oh my gosh, film grading for the last three years in a row, working with Emmanuel Lebeski, Chivo. So when I met him- Oh my God, Chivo. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, But so we worked on the last three films and with him, um, basically, I met Steve at eFilm when I was making coffee one day and he looked at a poster of my parents' house and was like, hey, so we started chatting. He left eFilm in 2012 um, to go to Technicolor. He had another opportunity. And after he left, um, our head of the effects at eFilm also went to Technicolor. And since I was an assistant producer, I got to work with a a bunch of different people, and you kind of meet people. And uh, one of them called me and said, I want to get you over here. And I was like, okay, let's talk. So I interviewed for four different positions, um, one being a VFX coordinator, which would have been cool, but they had their their awesome person came in and I was like, I understand something else is going to be out there for me. I interviewed for a broadcast position and then I was offered that position along with, they created a position with Steve Scott's team uh, as an assistant producer that they needed a, a second one. And I was like, well, that's kind of already what I am doing now and I love it and I get an opportunity to work with Steve Scott that of course I'm going to take this opportunity so that's how I got that's how I got into technical so it's really the kind of the whole networking scheme is you know work really hard people will notice and um, be a good person be a nice person because that's going to get you so much further um, than anything I feel like so yeah absolutely and uh, I mean it's interesting because it's like I've been working in the commercial space for the past uh, several years. Went to school to be an agency art director. Realized uh, when I was working at Fallon as an intern in Minneapolis that I like the production thing. Went back to Seattle where. Sorry. I... So sorry, my dog is chewing a bag. Hey <laughs> if, guys, stop it! If you have to like yell at your dog, by all means. I'm so sorry. No, no, no! Don't, don't, don't apologize. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I went back to Seattle. Yes, I'm listening. Sorry. <laughs> and there she goes. Um, went back to Seattle where I was PAing, but it's like what drove me insane was it's like on every set I got onto, I was told if I want to be doing substantial things in the business, I'm not going to find them in Seattle. And I, I mean, I'd like to go home to the Northwest at some point. I think, uh, I think the quality of life is better there. Sorry, Los Angeles, but Seattle's easily got you beat. <laughs> The, opportun- <laughs> the opportunities are better here uh, yeah. professionally, More but I just I just had to leave. I, I had to come down here to, in order to accomplish my dreams. So, Absolutely. yeah. But um, so, what sort of projects have you been involved over at Technicolor? Kind of like a whole spectrum. So uh, I got hired on to be a part of the Marvel team because uh, Steve Scott colors all of the Marvel projects for the most part. Um, and they needed an extra person, so I, I work on those. Um, I've recently done some independence, so I've been a producer on a few independent features. One got into Sundance, and I'm super proud of them. 
Um, and then I've done a couple commercials recently. And like I've done student films. I love working with students. I get so excited working with students that are super excited. Because <laughs> sometimes when you get to such a studio mode, you forget about people who are like, oh, right. These people are just starting their dream, you know, and it, it's just super fun to work with them on their projects. And I learn a lot from it, too. So kind of all over the place. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll have to, I'll have to tell you about a project I have in mind in a minute. Like, it's not a student film, but I'm hoping the Coog Network can come through. But yeah. I'll tell you about it in a little bit. Um, so what is a typical day of working at Technicolor? I mean, I was exposed to color grading a little bit um, working at the mill. I mean, I'm sure Technicolor is its own beast, and I, I'm not surprised by that in any way, shape, or form. So what, for you as a assist, assistant producer, what is that day look like, and what are your responsibilities? Totally. Um, it varies <laughs> um, based on where you are in a project and from show to show. So, uh, you know, if we're working on a Marvel feature and we're near uh, finishing, like uh, um, deliveries, that's the right word, uh, it can be crazy. <laughs> it can go anywhere from, oh, 8 a.m. to like 2 a.m. sometimes because there's just so much you need to get in um, right at the end. Um, uh, what else? So I basically I'm on a norm, on a normal day, like if I'm not on a project that's crazy like that, it's a nine to six, and I will work on billing. I will work on creating work orders, scheduling resources, talking to clients, figuring out what the needs are, getting on conference calls with um, sales and clients, getting stuff figured out. Uh, various meetings I have. I I run the colorist meetings, so there's a lot of stuff for that as well. Whether it be finding out new information that the colors need to be aware of, um, whether it be ACES workflow, HDR, virtual reality, what have you. So you just kind of try to stay on top of things if you can. Mm -hmm. um, so it just, it, a lot of emailing. <laughs> I would say a lot of my uh, model of my work life is emailing either what clients need or answering or scheduling or what have you. Um, so it's, basically I describe it as like project management. So you're kind of a project manager, just seeing things, working with clients and seeing things from start to finish, making sure every deliverable that they get is scheduled and on time. Gotcha. And what has been the most surprising thing that you've learned through that process? Because mm -hmm. it's interesting because we go to, we study broadcast, we study film, we have these dreams of making it in the motion picture business and making movies and TV shows. What has been the most surprising thing coming out of school and now working in the business that you've uh, that you've uh, realized in your short time in the business? Yeah, um, I have to say the reason I took the internship was I had no idea what digital intermediate was. And I was like, this is part of the industry and I have no idea what it is. Because it was, it was just like 2000, 2009 was when I first heard of it. And 2010 was when I got the internship, and I wanted to learn about it. And I was like, "Wow, this is fascinating! I had no idea that this is even a thing that they did, um, which is color grading." Um, I described it to other people, like learning, like you know, you're on a, the, the Mayflower and you get to America, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, there's this whole place over here!" And then you learn the language, and then you have to teach it. Yeah. Um, so, and it's always evolving. I think that's the one of the most challenging things is no show is the same. The technology is evolving at a rapid pace and there's so many there's no like complete standard like every camera has its own format and sizing or what have you where was one of the film days it, it was so standard like oh this is a film what, what film are you shooting on but you know how to treat everything and it was uh, it was industry-wide so that was really interesting um, 
just keeping up with everything as as you go. Yeah, and it's been interesting because like last night I went to this uh, Los Angeles post production group meeting thing where I ran into Gray, who's mm-hmm. a colorist at Technicolor. I'm sure. Gray Marshall. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I didn't know it was Gray Marshall. I thought it was another one from college. No, no, no. I ran into Gray at a First. at a post production group thing, and w- what was interesting is like. They had a colorist talking about talking about color and VFX, and to your point, like yeah, these are issues that we're dealing with right now in terms of every camera is different. Like the 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 C three hundred will be different from the red, which will be different from the Airy, which will be different from. Camp- which area do you want? Ex- exactly. Open gate, what ha- no, there's so many different variables of that. Too. Yeah, and then like with the whole Aces workflow and HDR mm-hmm. and Rec seven hundred nine. Rec, mm-hmm. uh, Rec 2020 and P3, like, it's just, there's a lot to it, and it's something it's that w- we didn't learn at Washington State. Oh, well, it was, to be fair, like, I think 2000, I, I was talking to some coworkers today, and 2001 to 2003 is when it was just, was kind of like the birth of DI, and it wasn't like, a, it was like, are you going to do one, rather than, oh, you're, where are you doing it? Yeah. Um, and then 2007 is really when it started to be like, boom and that was why I hadn't heard of it because I was in school and at that point where I was in classes that wasn't something that we would talk about yet because it wasn't really widely widely used um but yeah now it's just kind of like I mean there's a few filmmakers that don't um want to do DI which is great and I totally respect because I honestly I love film too um which is why digital intermediate was an intermediate um which was you film it you'd scan it digitally and then you film it back out so that's why it was an intermediate Mm -hmm. versus uh, what it is today, yeah. Digital. It's funny because I was talking with Marv today, and I was like saying, your your students, need, especially in the cable eight side, need to learn how to grade or at least apply LUTs. Like that is so crucial right now. Um, like everything I touch right now, I'm sending it to DaVinci Resolve, and I'm going to be applying a LUT if I'm not doing it in say. Premiere and figuring out how to do it in Avid because I I'm trying to relearn that piece of software. But um, what have uh, what would, what have been some of the biggest um, lessons that um, you took away from WSU that really prepared you for going into color or moving into the business? Because a lot of people out there that are like, oh, I don't, I want to do this. I want to move to Los Angeles. I want to chase down these epic dreams climb the biggest mountains in the world that is the entertainment industry and they don't necessarily know how to get started i mean what did you learn at wsu that prepared you for this um well i was you know i was actually really fortunate i I independently studied uh film production with marvin um after i took uh you know i forget it was like 465 455 455 yeah um and that was really great to get exposure and try to i had like these film books that I purchased, and it was like, let's cater a class for me. So that was helpful. Uh, I was also involved with WSU Wazoo Films, so I was active in that for education. I, and But also, like, so the few things that I learned at WSU that I use, because I don't, um, I'm on the post-production side, which I feel like there was a really, a lot of information that I learned on production side at WSU, but, you know, information about, like, SMPTE or some of that standards. Like, I'd never heard of that before I I went to, you know, I went to school to learn this stuff. Um, And that's been a huge resource. I recently just became a SMPTE member, too, so I'm kind of, it's kind of 
nice that you learn about it and you're like, wow, here I am. I actually got into this club. Yeah, and, and I, I'd like to get into that, but I think yeah. I, I'd much rather get into MPEG or get uh, ACE behind my name at some point. Oh my God. It's it's a, you know, a few years out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just need to, I just need to start assisting somewhere or start uh, yeah. doing more post-PA work, but... Um, it's really who you know. Like that was, I was fortunate enough that, you know, my dad has this friend that he was super nice to since he was like a really, really young kid and they had this friendship and randomly he asked what I wanted to do and he happened to be a head of a studio, one of the studios on post or for distribution. So he introduced me to a few people and that was how I ended up getting an internship. So it's, you know, be nice to everybody. It really gets you far, and um, help out other people because everyone in this industry has been helped. Yeah, everyone, yeah. every single one. So don't be afraid to ask because they're not going to like reach out to you. You have to be like, hey, I'm passionate about this. Do you know anybody? Or just you know, start at, write, write a letter to the studios that you want to go get a tour of. Or I mean, I've had some people like I've given tours to or demos to who are like, I'm passionate about this. I'm in school for this right now. What can I do? How can I? How can I learn? Can I get five minutes with somebody just to talk? And those relationships will they can really get you far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's amazing how like I think a great example of that was my first day working at the mill. Mm -hmm. I uh, I literally just started and there was a team in from Fallon and Fallon's an advertising agency in Minneapolis, a very mm -hmm. good advertising agent, advertising agency. Can't talk tonight. Um, <laughs> what was funny is that the, the people that were there from Fallon mm -hmm. were people I worked with and I'm in a different part of the business, different part of my career at this point mm -hmm. and they just so happened to be there. And I mean, this was after freelancing for a couple of years and I see them again in Los Angeles. I was like, this is a small world, but more importantly, it is an incredibly small business. I mean, it really is. You, know, you will be surprised who you run into at points in time. And regardless of circumstances of, of past jobs, good or bad relationships, good or bad, it's, it's really important to, be positive mm -hmm. regardless of the situation and work through that. Mm -hmm. And you're always going to have like your really stressful times where you might snap, but it's just making sure you have good relationships with everybody and, you know, it just gets you so much further. I've, I've, I've seen it, I've seen people get burned because they weren't very nice and that really sucks because unless you're completely brilliant, like the second you're not brilliant, no one wants to work with you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And it, it's, you just feel bad for those people who, are just jerks. Yeah. It's like Why? it's like you you meet the person, they seem nice, but after a while they're just an asshole. Like I'm it's just like we work too hard and and too long to put, to surround ourselves by people that are just going to demean people and treat them like shit. It's like and you have to love this industry. Like you the only way you're going to get it's not an easy industry. No. Nights you're going to have I mean, yeah, a lot of late nights. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it's like your life for a lot of it. Like when I when I go in Marvel shows, I, I go to my friends and be like, "I love you. I'm not available for these two months. <laughs> like, yeah. I will see you after. Like I'm just not free because I if I do get home at like eight o'clock and tired and need some time with my dog or you know, it it gets intense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I totally get that. I mean, 
one of my first gigs when I first moved to Los Angeles, back to Los Angeles, because I failed the first time. That was. You just went to go to another opportunity. Well, I mean, I did. I, I was 23 and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but grad school and freelance in Seattle helped. I'll say that. Um, so you're right. I didn't fail. Um, but what was interesting is like one of my first jobs back in Los Angeles, I did a gig that was for T-Mobile that went from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. for 10 straight days. That sucked. Yeah. Like that really sucked because that, it's like I get home from work and I go straight to bed at yeah. like 11 in the morning and it's like, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the nature of the business. It's like if, if people don't want that, that's okay. I mean, they can make a living doing other things in media and film in a smaller market. They can run their own shop. But if you want to play with the big boys, you better expect that. Mm-hmm. This, You're going to make those sacrifices. Yeah. And if that's cool if you don't want to make those sacrifices. There's a line out the door of people waiting to do those things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. What, uh, I'm curious, uh, what have been the, some of the biggest challenges you've faced in the business? If you, and, and uh, if there's things that you can't talk about, I respect that. I understand NDAs, like, but what are those challenges that you've faced? Um, there's so many deliverables these days, whether it be HDR, 3D, IMAX, IMAX laser, UHD, whatever, however, they're all treated differently. So it's just, the thing that I think find is challenging is you have all these expectations for all these deliverables, but your post calendar hasn't changed. So they expect it all to be done in this very small amount of time, um, which is fine and it's totally doable. But I feel like that that's hard sometimes because you need. I feel like you need to extend your post calendar just a little bit to accommodate for all of these things. Um, you know, it's uh, yeah. Um, I worked on a show when the digital first digital cameras first started being a thing, where we debared a show and the VFX poles were debared and the sizing for some reason was different on the VFX poles. Instead of resending all VFX, we had to redo all of the dailies poles, like the non VFX. Um, and what was interesting at the time, the whatever build we were on, we couldn't get a match for what the work that we already did. Oh no. oh no! So I had to go in through every shot, and my colorist was in London because he was on vacation while we, the show was on hiatus. And I had to do like a TVIP session with them, go in shot by shot, and be like, "Okay, which ASA level should this one shot be debared <laughs> to match what we did before?" Um, that was challenging, uh, but I learned a lot from it. So I don't really mind the challenges because I feel like you grow so much. Working on The Revenant was also a challenge um, just because it's a completely different workflow. Like uh, like Birdman was one shot and how do you how do you color time with one shot when it's broken up usually from shot by shot basis and there's so much moving parts and like they're going down hallways and how do you how do you do that? So it's kind of you you run into these challenges, um, which I think are creative but fun and we're very excited my team especially is very excited to to work on those but yeah it can be it can be a lot of work <laughs> yeah i mean i totally get that because like i well, i mean when i was at the mill uh, my first week there i heard a story about like how they came up with that look and just the the whip pan was how they were hiding the cuts in that film which was really interesting i mean the mill was not involved in the vfx the mill hasn't done a feature film vf vfx job 
I want to say since Gladiator. So okay. it's been a very Maybe. long time. Just, yeah. Well, it's just VFX for features, you don't make any money off of it. I mean, it's it, the margins are so thin these days, especially with the change fees. It's it can be, it can be a pretty um, scary business. I mean, that's how we saw a rhythm of rhythm and hue die, uh, yeah. digital domain. I think they went bankrupt and they've come out of bankruptcy. I mean, we've seen uh, studios, uh, VFX studios, almost lose everything because of these big feature projects that sink them. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, on that end, it's also pretty frustrating because it's kind of a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning, like, everyone is like, oh, we got this bid from here, and they're willing to do it for this amount of money. Mm-hmm. That can get hard because, like, it's a lot of hours, and people still need to eat. So I can understand, like, how that can get frustrating <laughs> and hard. And But I also understand the studio side. They're like, God, we can't afford all of this, you know? like Absolutely. So, yeah, it's kind of like one of those hard, fine lines. You're kind of like, where's the where's the balance? Um, and not only that, it's like we've seen a global market for VFX now. I mean, we can... And they're so important, and they're everything. Yeah, I mean, okay, we'll just send the roto work to India or Singapore. Yeah, that's true. And we'll, we'll have those files come back when we... Uh, yeah, we'll just have those... We'll have a, a hyperspeed uh, line between us and... India or Singapore, and we'll just have the rotas come back the next morning. It'll be fine. We'll just have them do it overnight. But at the same time, that hurts artists here in Los Angeles or maybe in Vancouver. Or I think a great example is a frame store in Montreal. I mean, if if a tax um, package failed, well, frame store in Montreal is gonna would shut down. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm just saying that it's just the the circumstances of the world that we currently live in. But anyways, um, what have been some of the bigger challenges that you've faced um, that you didn't learn in school? I learned everything on the job. <laughs> I was with this specific job. Um, I think we, I remember briefly talking about color correction in the Avid at school, in classes, and how important it was. But I didn't know how to utilize it and didn't know how it worked. Um, so kind of learning about, oh, there's different color spaces. There's a color gamut. What is what is Rec 709? Oh, what is P3? Oh, what is Log? You know, and just learning so many different things and how they're important for whatever um, uh, platform you're using it on, whether it be, uh, you know, is it a digital cinema package? And that would be an XYZ color space. Uh, is it, you know, just for cinema P3 that we're um, timing in, or is it film, which would be log? So it's just kind of found that was really interesting, and I wish there was more, but I feel like I feel like post production in general, I was helpful. I knew what an EDL was, and I learned how to read that. But a lot of the stuff was on the job, which is kind of thankful. I, I'm really thankful for my degree though, because I wouldn't have gotten a job without it, because my degree is what got me the first job and got me the promotion and I think that's really important and it really exciting that I could talk about other aspects that I, I focused on broadcast production and I focused in theater in college and so I, I had like kind of a full rounded uh, entertainment I guess experience that you could use in so many different ways absolutely <laughs> and uh, what uh, say somebody's like moving down here to Los Angeles and they're interested 
in becoming a colorist or post-production in general. I mean, it does not necessarily have to be related to color. But say they're interested in the color world, I mean, what uh, what advice would you give them? I mean, do they need to learn DaVinci Resolve? I mean, it, what, what does that pathway look like? Yeah, I would say... You know, if if you want if you want to learn color, DaVinci Resolve is a great is a great platform. I would say learn what platform you want to you want to use. Um, because the main color correctors are DaVinci Luster, which is from Autodesk, and Baselight. Um, at least on our end, I know that there's a few other ones too, but most of the companies that worked out have had colorists who use one of those three um, platforms. Uh, but Resolve is great because you can get, you can download their free demo and you can play around with it and you can learn kind of how to use it and manipulate images, whether it be creating even garbage mats just to add focus to something or take away, you know, if someone's face is too green and you're like, oh, but I need the green in those trees, you can roto it and, you know, kind of figure out how to how to use it. So I would also, I would say, if you're going to move down here, um, don't get discouraged because... I know so many people want things to happen right away. I've had friends that have been a production assistant for five years and then finally got that coordinator position and then got that post supervisor position and now they're head of like production at their company mm-hmm. or a friend who was in the vault for three years and I was like, do something for you. And I was like, just keep being creative, keep meeting people, keep going at it and don't give up. Like, um, And I get that it can get expensive and know that making it in this industry is being able to Stay here to be able to keep living and pay your rent and also be working on stuff because yes someday you might be one of those lucky people who get to make millions of dollars and that's awesome and I wish you the best of luck but if you're passionate about film you have to realize that it's going to take a commitment it's going to take some time if you can have some savings to get you here take some internships when you first get down here meet people see if there's friends you can stay on their couch for a bit um if network through our alumni group because there's so many coogs down here. I mean, it's awesome. And like I said, everybody wants to be helped. So don't be afraid to reach out and say, I'm passionate about this. Do you know anyone here? Um, maybe even like reach out, like I said, to Technicolor or any other DI facility and say, hi, I'm really passionate and I'm interested in take learning about this. Do you have a tour? Can I, um, can I meet you um, and just chat about some ideas? And you'd be surprised how receptive some people can be. Not everybody, but you're going to get at least someone that, that'll respond, and that's not never a bad thing. Absolutely. Um, how, and then what's your thoughts on personal projects? I mean, that's something that we, we often... Mm-hmm. focus on working on other people's stuff and that's good that pays the bills I mean what's, yeah. your, what's your opinion on personal projects you know one thing I will say I have this short that I've wanted to do for five years <laughs> oh god we're gonna talk about that once I stop this recording I have a girlfriend who's been on my case because she does like three shorts a year I swear this girl just cranks them out she was just trying to get into the AFI directors guild uh, every time I see her she's like so how's your short going? And I'm like, I'm going to call you soon if you want to help me produce it. <laughs> but um, I've been wanting to do that for years. But I have other friends that I think are great. Like, I'm so proud of uh, Drew because he 
when he was PAing for years, he's like, no, I need to produce. So I'm going to meet with people who are going to get stuff done. I'm going to, we're going to write, we're going to make this happen. We're going to do it on a sh like nothing budget. And we're going to, we're going to make something and we're going to put it out there and put it in festivals. And he did that for a few and um, like at least three of them got into festivals. Like I remember traveling to go see them and like, I remember being like, I need to get mine done. I need to get mine done. <laughs> but I was just, you know, I, I think it was more, I was focused on, building my career and learning this crazy world that I had nothing nothing about and wanted to master it and I'm still learning like I said everything changes um, but I, I think it is important to get your passion projects done and what's great is the longer you're here and the more people you meet people are willing to help you because they want to do what they want to do too and that's awesome <clears throat> no, I totally get that because like I recently uh shot, uh, I did an interview with uh, Amoeba Records uh, co-founder, Mark Weinstein. Um, I, do, I randomly sent an email to Amoeba like, hey, I want to do a film on uh, vinyl culture and the resurgence of vinyl and just like ex expecting to be like kind of brushed off like, yeah, 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 we'll get back to you later. Yeah. They got back to me and that it's yeah. uh, it's funny because I, I recently sent the film to them and it's like, asked them like, hey, do you guys want to put this on your social channels? And they it hasn't been posted yet, but they said they would, and I'm I'm hoping that they still do. And it, it's the the response that I've gotten from Amoeba on that piece has been really fun and exciting. And just I totally get what you're saying about going out and trying to make stuff. I now need to find that that next project. It's funny because it's like you move down here and you PA for a little while, and it's like this is not why I moved down here. Not to work seventy to eighty hour work weeks for relatively nothing i mean minimum wage at at the worst at times maybe no pay at time yeah that's that's even worse like if you come down here and work unpaid or low pay project you're working for nothing mm -hmm. so it's it's hard because it's that's not why many people come down here they want to make films they don't want to do a lock off at two in the morning mm -hmm. but you know it's also helpful to do those things because, um, I mean, I understand, and it sucks that like to have no money, but it shows how passionate some people are. But it's also frustrating because housing has gotten a little crazy compared to what it was like when I my entry level. Like it was pretty low pay, but I was able to barely make it, and now like the housing that I barely made it on when people's like rates haven't gone higher are. I don't know how anyone can do it these days. I know, like. My apartment is, I think I'm paying like nine twenty two a month, mm -hmm. and I mean that's still hard. Like that's, I mean it, it's Sherman Oaks, which is not on the west side. If I were over on that part of town, mm -hmm. even I mean that is the part of town where a lot of the work I want to be involved with is commercial post production lives in that portion of town. Mm -hmm. To live in Santa Monica or Venice or Marina del Rey or Mar Vista would, I mean. That's gonna suck to pay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah. Do you want to like shoot me in the foot while you're at it? <laughs> but you gotta love it to stay. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what suggest? Say somebody's new in town, and uh, what suggestions would you give them for just meeting people outside of just trying to network? It's so easy to focus on. Um, the job thing that that everybody eventually gets, mm -hmm. everybody gets one. Um, what suggestions would you have on just meeting 
decent people because there's there are a lot of assholes and self-indulged narcissistic people in this town it it is yeah. los angeles um i would say you know go try something out like if you want to go get a group on and do like a yoga class and meet people you just never know and just talking to people through different means that way um it took a while to meet some friends that were people that I consider my core friends now. I think it took a couple of years, to be honest. You kind of weed, there's so many people in LA that you kind of weed through some people when you realize, oh, they just want something from me or, um, so, but you just have to go out and meet people. Like some of our good friends we met in like line at a GameStop getting a video game for my boyfriend and they ended up being our good friends after that. So it's just kind of starting conversations and being open and go try new things. and. A lot of people in the industry are here doing stuff, and they're in. So you will just randomly meet them. But I, I think it's hard. <laughs> you have to you have to be willing to put yourself out there in, in any way, you know. Absolutely, I mean that's what I've kind of learned. It's just like, I mean that's the nature of Los Angeles. It's just putting yourself out there. Um, we're kind of getting towards the end of this thing. I'm running out of questions in ways. Uh, that's not a bad thing either. Um, no. Final thoughts, opinions, advice? Um, yeah, I would just say don't give up on your dream. Like, if it's something you're truly passionate about, and sometimes it's okay if you, you come down here and you realize, wow, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. But if this is something you're truly determined for, just like I said, be a nice person because it gets you so much further. But just keep keep going at it. Keep trying to find things. Keep trying to you know get the next job that will um, want to promote you or take any you know internships that you can to learn so that you can have that for credibility. Because a lot of it's frustrating that you need a lot of experience. Whether they'll be like, well, you need two years of entry level you know experience. You're like, well, I'm trying to get to the entry. So how do I do that? And it's just either by internships or um, just keep going for it. Well, that was my conversation with Laura Holman. I hope it provided you some value in terms of what happens in color. It's it's still new to a lot of us. We're still trying to figure it out, but it is incredibly important to the work that we are doing in this day and age. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us and leave a comment on iTunes. I know that I would find it super super beneficial and oh yeah don't forget stitcher if you're listening on stitcher leave a comment there as well it would be super beneficial and as always big thank you to laura for coming on the show and taking time out of her evening to connect with us i really really appreciate it and i know that our audience here really enjoyed hearing what um she had to say and until next time as always get out there Create, share, and sustain the life you want. You can do it. It doesn't have to be only the people here in Los Angeles. If you want to make something badly enough, you can do it. Go out there, create the work you want, share it with the people that matter to you, and sustain that life that you want. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks.